Hey, Sam. Hey, Teresa. What's up? Not much, um, but we actually have a special guest on the pod today, making his second appearance. Malachi Jones, you want to say hi to everyone? Hey, what's up, everybody? What's up, Sam? What's up, Teresa? Here for round two um, on our podcast. As you guys know, Malachi was on, what episode was he on? What number? Four, maybe? Four? One of them. I'm one of the OGs. Let's just say that. (laughs) (laughs) We covered um, Do the Right Thing, and that shit still, unfortunately, remains prevalent. And back then, we were at the start of quarantine, uh, knowing that August 13th, we would still be in quarantine. So that's exciting. (laughs) Yeah, so hopeful, so optimistic. We are here today to discuss one of our favorite albums of the year and interview the artist behind them, Arwen Hammer, over a glass of ginger ale. Great, let's get started. So for today's episode, I chose a glass of ginger ale. Some people are Canada Dry versus Schweppes. I'm personally a Schweppes person myself. Some ice and a little bit of sizzle is nice. So that's my go-to drink today. Awesome. Yeah, I love ginger ale. Um, lately, my favorite type of ginger ale is those like bougie ginger ales where you can like kind of taste like the ginger in it. Um, and it kind of like ruined ginger ale for me because now the other ginger ale tastes like Sprite. But yeah, all ginger ale is good ginger ale. Yeah, I would have to agree with the Schweppes ginger ale brand. Nobody got time to buy bougie ginger ale, Sam. If you're going to buy bougie anything, it shouldn't be ginger ale. <laughs> but ginger ale is like one of the few sodas that I actually like. As you've listened on this podcast, if you're a loyal fan, is that I basically hate all sodas. But ginger ale makes the cut for a good drink. Also, our first episode, Fafa brought in ginger ale. I think it was like a ginger beer, which yeah, I was ginger beer. Oh. Are ginger ale and ginger beer different? Um, I think they are different. Ginger beer is like what you use to make Moscow mules. Ginger ale is a solid drink. It's never done any anyone wrong to anything. It's like one of the oldest sodas. It helps your tummy ache. Like when you have tummy aches, my mom always was like, get some warm ginger ale. It's like good for the environment. That's facts. It's natural. No, I feel like there's like big Coke and like big Pepsi. I don't know if there's big ginger ale. Like I know that there are big ginger ale brands, but it doesn't feel as evil for some reason. Um, it's the can of spin. That's why. If mm-hmm. it was like the Coke, Coke would be like fine. I don't know. Just overall, like, I feel like ginger ale just isn't a controversial drink. Like, if you have a controversial opinion about ginger ale, like, something's wrong with it. So moving on to today's episode, our guest for today is the duo Arm & Hammer, which is comprised of Billy Woods and Elucid. I was introduced to Arm & Hammer, like, on the very first album, Race Music, with the song The Rent Is Way Too Goddamn High, which has this, like, crazy-ass, like, flute shit going on. Um, and I was like, this is sick, but really weird. And then, like, once I dug more into the album, I realized that that was, like, one of the more normal songs on the album. And I was, like, I think 13 years old, and that was 
that was too much for me. <laughs> I couldn't take all that. But then over the years, I feel like um, both Billy Woods and Lucid, the two members of Arm & Hammer, have just become like such huge forces in the underground rap community. It's been pretty much impossible to ignore what they've been doing. And then with the release of Rome and especially Paraffin, which I think came out two years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just really got into them and then got into both Billy Woods and Elucid solo material, which is also just like insane and shows how talented they are. How about you, Malika? Yeah, I mean, kind of re- reiterate the same points. Like Billy Woods and Elucid are kind of just everywhere in the underground scene. Um, when I first got to like abstract hip hop through Milo, like Elucid was on a lot of the, the placements there. Um, Billy Woods is someone I've listened to unrelated since like 2017 with um, Police Came to My Show, the Known Unknowns album. And that's such a more conventional album compared to like any of his other work I've realized. So I mean, them coming together, I really was introduced to Paraffin. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, Rome is something I think that doesn't get enough credit as far as like an album. So I'm just excited, honestly. Yeah. And I guess to introduce this album a little bit, their newest album, Shrines, came out a few months ago. And I think, interestingly, seemed to get even more acclaim than their projects usually get. I feel like I've seen them everywhere lately. And I think it speaks to mostly the quality and the accessibility of the music on this album. It's, I think it's definitely some of their best songs come off this album. And the whole record, in a way that I don't think was as true with Rome and um, Paraffin, it feels like such a cohesive statement and um, really feels different than what they've done before, which may be why it's getting so much recognition. But um, I don't know. My experience with the record was just, I loved it immediately as soon as it came out. Just really excited to interview not only a pair of artists, but a pair of thinkers because they be getting deep shit into their songs. And in a lot of ways, I just wish that the underground rap scene was just like more like a mainstream quote unquote, so that more people could get into it quickly without like being really involved in music, you know? I think one aspect too of like why it's being received so well too is like the amount of new like link ups that are happening on this album compared to their like earlier ones uh i mean you're seeing a lot more collaborations that you would not have expected or like i guess have been teased at before but you didn't think it would come to fruition so i mean i think just that like the birth of like who they're collaborating with right now is definitely adding something to its reception and like how far it's going right now could you mention a few of those collaborations oh i mean kaya pink sifu navy blue has a couple production credits on here um the band Fog, they they're they're a lead man. I think his name is Andrew Browder or Broder. He's on here. So I mean, just they're really. I mean, oh, Earl's on here for like once. That's something that I didn't expect to see. So they're bumping elbows with a lot of like up and coming, if not already established names. I think as far as like even underground hip hop goes. So and the other thing I want to mention because I'm not sure how much we'll get to this in the actual interview, but while they're producing. Like, I feel like with a group like Run the Jewels, they're very much, they're a group and aren't producing stuff that much on the side. 
but Billy Woods dropped two albums last year. Elucid dropped a tape earlier this year. It's like they have been able to balance really well, creating this like brand in this like genre of music for Arm and Hammer and create super like weird and creative um, solo side experiments, which has been awesome to see just how they juggle both of those things. I just think it's interesting as far as like what Sam was getting at, where um, even their solo projects and like their solo careers are so like just, I mean, quality and also like notable. It's, I think it's worth like mentioning how like their Arm and Hammer projects seem to fit into that thread of their creation. Like it's not like a total, you know, experimental. Like you wouldn't call their Arm and Hammer side project experimental for them. Like it's very up their alley. It still works, even though it's like a collaboration of many more working parts, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And on that note, we're going to call up Arm & Hammer right now. Yo. Hello, hello. What up, what up? How are you guys doing? I'm chilling. I'm good. Good. Um, so our first question was just, y'all have been working together for a long time now. You've released four albums together, and each of the albums is like very different and does its own thing. But I was wondering how has four albums? Hold on, hold on. Is it four albums? The uh, four full links, and then there's the EP, right? Yep. What about? Yep. Oh yes, it is four. It is four. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on, sir. <laughs> um, so I was wondering how has your working relationship with each other changed? Like, do you, like you know each other better now, or uh, is it pretty much the same as it was at the beginning? Yeah, it's definitely not. It's definitely not the same. I mean, we didn't know each other until we started working together, and right. from that, we've become um, very good friends. And I mean, at least speaking from my perspective, it's very different. Yeah, um, I, but I agree. you know, but then at the same time, a lot of things are the same, but it's different in the familiarity. I don't know. It would be like if you asked like. Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, if it was the same playing together, like after 10 years, it'd be, it'd be different, even though they probably had some type of a vibe at the beginning. I definitely now operate with like a, a complete trust and just a sense of like, we can talk about something and I feel like, all right, we, we're on the same page. True. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the, I agree. I agree. Uh, I work. I work off instinct and trust, and you know that only strengthens as you keep working at something together with someone. So, like this being our shrines of the fourth, the fourth uh, full length. Yeah, uh, I know. I kind of know what to expect from Woods. Uh, not to put him in the box, but I, I kind of know which way he's gonna go, and then he often surprises me. Because, you know, there's the other side of that where it's just like we're challenging ourselves each time we do this thing. So it's cool to like, it's like, you know, sparring with someone for years and years and years. Like, I know you're going to leave with this left, but then you still might pop me with the right. Um, and that's that's what happens, man. Still. Yeah, for sure. I've always appreciated the way that you guys type um, really cool album covers into the themes of your album. And I think it's um, very powerful that you've chosen the photo of the NYPD outside of Yates' apartment for shrines. And I was just wondering, like, at what point during the creative process did you know that you wanted to use this photo and story for the album cover? And were there any other, like, concepts or covers that you were thinking of using? No, um, that, was, uh, that was the one. 
<laughs> that was yeah, the that, was, that was the idea, and the only time there was a brief period where uh, it looked like that idea. Well, there was an extended period, not a brief period, an extended period of different problems uh, where it seemed like that might not work out. And every time I had to try and think of another cover, it made me really upset. So we worked the <laughs> problems out. You know, I mean, that was the one. Once I had the idea, it was very difficult to move to another idea. Would you say that the cover, like, inspired the theme of your album or, like, vice versa? Uh, I think because we made the decision, was if I'm not mistaken, we made the decision to go with that image for the cover while we were still recording, uh, right? Yeah, like, it was like definitely Midway through? More than midway, three quarters. More than probably. midway through, yeah. We're almost done with the record. But then when the idea came, it was just like, I don't know, for me, it struck so many chords that resonated with like the themes that we were already established on the album, which like, it just made the most sense for me. Mm-hmm. It was an immediate yes, as soon as like he proposed the idea to me, immediate yes. How, how much do you prioritize, I guess, like an album cover going into your complete concept of an album? Because I feel like you guys have a lot of different elements going into your songs, whether it's like the lyrics and then the beats and then the covers. So what part of the artistic process do you see an album cover fitting into that? Wow, what a, what a, um, this is a more fortuitously timed question than you probably even realize. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I think, I think every project has its own sort of way that it unravels. So for example, the paraffin cover had just been something I remember discussing. Oh, it'd be cool at some point if you did like some sort of family portrait or whatever. I remember that had been discussed earlier, but not necessarily in terms of, I don't even know if it was for this or for a different record. And then, um, and then it was sort of like, Oh, we are getting to a certain point in this. Let's do this photo shoot. Take these, the photographer Alexander Richter was like, I have some ideas, let's go take pictures in the neighborhood. The Lucid had some ideas and they just went out and did it. And at that point, the album was certainly conceptually and everything was set, you know? Mm-hmm. We were into, we were like, we were, we were putting the finishing touches on that as opposed to um, an album like, uh, or like race music also had a kind of an idea, but it was more like we went and did a photo shoot and then saw what worked. I thought that that would be the cover. I had that, these ideas, but we really took a bunch of photos um, in all sorts of places. And then you have something like uh, Rome where we commissioned a painting that took a long time. So that was like definitely not for a moment. You know what I mean? It, it, it took a while for that to get done. Uh, and, and then Shrines was something where it was literally just an idea that I had. I had always remembered seeing that photo from living in New York at the time. And uh, it was just an idea I had. And I was like, yo, what do you think? And he, like you said, he was immediately like, yes. So then it just became the logistics of getting the photo. Um, you know. So, I, you know, I, I think um, to answer your question, all of these elements come into play on like, or, or, or the record plays a role in how the album art is, or the album art sometimes might feed back into what the record is, but there's no set, 
there's no set way that it happens. Right. Pretty sick. I hope we see those photos one day, honestly. Um, on Shrines, one of my favorite songs Which is photos? Shrines. Hold on, pardon me? What, oh, what, like the, the outtakes from the album cover? Oh. For Paraffin, oh, for Paraffin, like was, race music. Some, like the other ones do, some of those are like, um, um, well, when it gets reissued, you'll see some of them. And um and uh and also some of them were probably seen, you know, there was Alex Richter is a uh a really great photographer and a good friend of ours and um so he took the photos. I mean he didn't it's not like he sent us thirty photos or something, you know. We picked mm-hmm. a certain amount that we were going with and we took those. So some of them you have seen. Um probably like the one where with the like a blowtorch effect. Yeah. Also black and white. There were a few from those that came out around that time, but um, that was as soon as you saw it, that was just such the obvious cover. Maybe still the best cover. Available. I, <laughs> I, yeah. I was real proud of the shrine. The shrine's artwork and cover was really dope, but that one is definitely. Listen, one time I told you this, Lucid. I got on. I got the vinyl, and I got on the bus going somewhere. Yep. <laughs> and I got on the bus, and there was this dude sitting on the bus, and then he was just staring at me. And I'm like, "All right." And then he just was like, "Yo, what is that record? What is this?" <laughs> Started talking to me, and was going off about the record and the meaning of it, and all of this stuff. Old black man, and I was like, "Wow, like that's really um." It's really wild. I feel like I called you. I was like on my way yes. home from the bar, and I was kind of late. That. And I called you. This dude yep. was like near tears over the album cover and whatnot. I don't even a think a total complete stranger on the bus. Equally, yeah, lit, probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I just got, you know, and, and how that all went down. I wasn't even there for that, but um, I'm sure there are a lot of other photos from that that would be interesting to see, though. And now that you mention it, but um, honestly, yeah, that that's maybe the best one. I really like the shine cover a lot, and the Rome Rome is obviously great, um, but that photograph definitely has a, a lot of power. So. I agree. I mean, they're honestly so all of them are like pretty evocative, honestly. So I'm not surprised about that reaction. Yeah. <laughs> um. One of my favorite songs off of Strines is Charms. And the mm. ending with Audrey, that Audrey Lord quote um, about like leaving something bigger than yourself and like survival. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, that really just resonated with me. I was curious, like, who are respectively like your influences, like not just musical, but like thinkers? Mm. Uh, this quarantine, I've been reading a lot of um, Etheridge Knight, I've been reading Ted Jones. Uh, I've been reading Alice Walker and Woods. I still have Marlon James, but this quarantine is when I actually started to pick it up to read. Which um, one? Brief History of Seven Killings. I know he's got a, a new one out, the sci-fi joke. No, it's, still... it's Book of the Night Women is the best one. Yeah. So Brief History of Seven, King, Seven Killings is the biggest, and it's, it's yeah, more epic. I'm still, yeah, I I'm think still Book of the Night it. Women is better. Oh, okay, My, okay. My mother and I both agree that Book of the Night Women is better. Mm. Yeah, so that's, um, that's what yeah. I've been checking. That's what I've been checking uh, more recently, you know? Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, at least just more specifically, talk about what you're saying there. Um, 
it's interesting because I feel like I had encountered Audrey Lord's work when I was in college. I went to a pretty um, liberal, liberal arts type school and uh, I encountered her work uh, and through my mother, but I had not read it for a while. And it was a Lucid who had sampled, just basically interpolated and also personally discussed her work with me in previous years um that when i was thinking about okay i want to find something she was just one of the people who i was like okay i know you know and then after him bringing it back up i had reread i guess sister outsider um right mm -hmm. i think maybe was one i think i came back from europe and reread. so anyway it was fresh in my mind um because you know he he had really reminded me of her work and um and I've been rereading some things. And then I went and hunted down that interview. And um, yeah, there's just something about it that really resonated with me. I think her work is really important, interesting, good writer. Yeah, it's such a like uh, a strong, a, a strong point that resonates, but it's also just like on just like a purely like aesthetic level, like she had the best speaking voice. I feel like we right. like these, these sort of older, these older elders, you know, pre like internet, you like we'll catch their voice like on a, a YouTube or whatever. You know what I mean? You can get maybe uh, a bit more than just reading like dry text. You know, just to hear their voices recite their work is really powerful. Uh, but yeah, there's there's so much there's so much in that clip there to draw from. It's really cool. Woods, have we ever posted like the full length uh, interview? Do we let people know? No, no. I should. I, I can. I can find it. It's a radio. Uh, radio interview with the. the the woman is interviewing. But something else you asked, I also recently was rereading um, um, uh, Bell Hooks, what we talk about when we talk about love. Mm -hmm. That is a great, great, great book. That's a book everybody Wait, should probably. Is that the I one she's that talking about? Should have read that about, in high school, man. Not, is that not, the one she's talking about older. parents? She's talking about parents and how parents can be like tyrants. All of to, all to their children. How we, how we approach love. Yeah, that's excellent. It's a really, 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 really good book that is also just useful in your life. Yeah. Um, so that would yeah. be something I would say. I, I, I recently, I recently um, tapped back into that. I thought it was really interesting. And uh, yeah, that's the first thing that, that jumps to mind. Thanks so much. I feel like I have a lot of reading suggestions to go through now. <laughs> <laughs> but something that really grabbed me off of Shrines was I felt like y'all were talking um, even more about the concept of time than normal, um, mm. like on songs like Frida, but especially on Flavor Flav. That's one of my favorite songs on the project. And how y'all were like jumping back and forth into these protest movements. How has this modern protest movement that's been going on the past three or four months affected you guys? And what are your thoughts, especially because I know on this album, you expressed so many thoughts about protests in the past. Mm. Well, I mean, obviously, it's, it's like really powerful to see. Um, and uh, yeah, these protests are, I think, for uh, civilians and citizens just to like draw power from. Um, we're in a time where it seems like they're the people want 
some sort of sweeping change and want the 21st century to resemble the 21st century and not the 18th, 19th, 17th, you know what I mean? Like we want, want it to be a new day. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, personally, I, I was not at any of the protests. Um, but I think it's also cool that in this time there's new ways for people to actually show support and show up for people financially. And um, just also seeing resources being spread out more than money, people giving up time. And there's something really cool I saw going on in many cities with like free food refrigerators, you know what I mean? You just drop off food at a, at a post and you know, the refrigerator stays stocked for whoever wants to come and pick it up and just being there, you know, really just like, I don't know, people trying to, uh, people trying to build a sense of, of community you know, for as complicated as that actually is, but that that idea of being closer to grass for people is has been really cool to see. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I mean, obviously, the one of the biggest such things in this country in my lifetime, as far as mass sure. movements. It, it, it was very interesting. I mean, um, uh, it was very powerful. It was. Uh, it, it was interesting, and I guess I always have my innate nature is always to wonder where, where and how things spread and dissipate or gather force and the um, and the reactions that gather against them. And it's interesting to me. In some ways, it's like um, I don't know. In some ways, it feels like it's like the uh, like the 1970s again or something um in that weird in a weird way where it seems you you have all of these you have all of these movements you have at the same time this growing thundercloud of sort of status quo um law and order although it's interesting because that's happening without the sort of the actual violence of the 1970s like crime rates have like jumped a little bit but nothing has really happened but um we also yeah. live in a time where information is disseminated so differently um and yeah it feels like it feels like any you know so i guess part of what i'm saying is that at any time there's moments of seismic change part of me also wonders um if instead there's going to be uh you know all of the other ways that things usually go a a, a, a backlash um that unravels it or uh or some sort of i don't know i'm curious to see and obviously we're coming up on what is going to be one of the most interesting elections in american history no ever. matter who wins ever um, yeah. and uh and so it, you know it's difficult to say but I also like to avoid being like, this is the end of anything. You know, I'm sure there are people right. who watch, people watch Nixon get on a helicopter on TV and fly away. Like, I can't imagine if the president just said, I'm out of here, and got on a <laughs> helicopter and flew away. You know, um, <laughs> a lot of things have happened, man. Uh, so I, I just want to, I'm, I'm waiting to see what will happen, but it definitely feels, uh, what a year. Yeah. Madness. Even, you know, it, it, you know, everyone's seeing this and, you know, 
who knows what's performative and what's real, but it just, it definitely feels like a time where people have to like show their commitment. Who are you? What do you stand for? What do you represent? And whatever that is, for the first time in my life, it's, it should be proudly shouted. You know what I mean? There's no reason for people to be in the shadows anymore about what they believe in and how they feel about a situation. It's expected that you, you be vocal about where you stand. And I think that's really cool. Just referring to your albums in general, when you make them, do you usually try to make them with the intent of eliciting a certain type of reaction or change the thesis depending on what's going on in the world? No, I don't know. Sometimes there's a song or something that might happen spurred by something that's going on, but the course of an entire album, I don't, I don't know. Of course, it's affected by what's happening in your life, but I... I couldn't see. Yeah, I don't know if I'm even answering your question correctly, but my instinct is to say no. Right. Yeah, I never, I never thought of myself as like a sort of like current events rapper. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it leaks through. It leaks through just because I'm, I'm, I'm of this time, and uh, I believe that what you like feed your head eventually comes out of your mouth. You know, so yeah, it definitely definitely happens, but it's not like super intentional. I'm gonna write about the headlines today. You know, I, I mean, I might have a conversation. Like, I can think of something right. that we've been working on where it's like, oh, you have a conversation or events happen where then you say, all right, um, how does that it, it relate to what you're thinking about? I don't know whether it's a song like DMCA on History of Exalt Me or a song like. Um, God, I, I'm kind of struggling to think of, of really easy examples, but there's always something where it's like, okay, that's something that came out of actual conversations that I had and experiences that I had, but an entire project is... Yeah, it's, it, might be a slick, it might be a slick line or two, or at most a song. But when you yeah. first said that, immediately I thought of that, what's that line about trigger warnings or hiding places? Mm. Like I, I remember when that when when that when I heard the demo. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. When I first when you when I first heard the line, it was just like I felt like I was seeing the phrase trigger warning like at peak, like via Twitter or whatever. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, sure. okay. it leaked through just a little bit, but you know, it's topical, it's timely, and it's dope. It's not it's not overdrawn. Mm. It's a fine line, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it depends. Yeah, if I'm having a if, a, if a conversation or something that's going on caused me to write something, I'm also not going to pack it away. Right. Because, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think Everyone's too, talking about it. Hopefully, it wouldn't be, hopefully, it wouldn't be, it, it's about, is it good or not? And you don't have to worry about the rest of it. Right, right. Yeah, but especially with Strines, I'm sure with each album you've seen like this rising fanfare and like the response to Strine seemed like almost immediately positive um and probably like even stronger since so i, was, I just want to know like what's it like to see that reaction right now mm. i don't know you do also see people being like paraffin and better this is the third best <laughs> yeah crazy people say crazy stuff yeah. Yeah. i mean, I, mean yeah, I, I also, I also understand I also understand that once you make the music, the art or the music and you put it out into the world, it doesn't like belong only to you anymore. You know what I mean? So people can have their opinions. It's not like you're automatic. I might have a personal perspective where I disagree with you, but 
the once once it's in the public, then it also belongs to the public to some extent. Yeah, but it does feel great. It does feel <laughs> great to sell out a project. You know what I mean? In this sure. in this climate, you know, it feels incredible to know in this time period where people are just like hungry and thirsty for like shit that affirms them they've been drawn to us for whatever reason like that's incredible you know what i mean 100 yeah. sure. i mean i'm sure yeah. i'm sure it's the times right now that like draw people to defend projects like paraffin so much yeah. because maybe that came at a time or it's coming at a time right now where it really means something right right yeah, yeah you know it's uh, uh it's something you know because i don't think me and woods have ever switched up like how we made music based on how you know i'm sorry my kid is bugging out let me go to another room uh we've never switched up our formula we never switched up our style to a peaceful the only thing that changed was the world and how people experience the world and how people process what's going on in the world and then all of a sudden with paraffin and just kind of was that first blossoming and then here we are now and yeah man it's an amazing amazing feeling i can't wait for y'all to hear the next joint yeah, yeah. he sounds like he might he sounds like he might body slam you Put you in a figure four while you're doing the hang up, man. Just hang up. <laughs> no, I know we're really excited um, for the next album, but Elusive, I wanted to ask about a project you dropped earlier this year um, Seership. Mm -hmm. I've really just been going back to it a lot lately because it seems very different. I know Billy Woods worked on for a feature. So I was wondering, was that a collaborative process between you two? What was the process of making that? Well, uh, Woods, that feature, that song was on Terror Management, right? What was it called on Terror Management? Was corn, was it called? Oh, uh, it's called Corn Starch, yeah. Corn Starch. Torn, that was, so it was just, you know, just a, a song no, that he I did that. that was not, he did that himself. I didn't yes. hear, I didn't hear that project till it was finished. Can you can y'all hold on one second? I'm sorry. Just waiting for the kid to stop body slamming. <laughs> Are you in New York right now? I am in New York. I'm in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Okay, cool. I'm up in Harlem. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, me and Malachi go to school up at Columbia, so I'm like right at the top of Morningside Heights, Heights, West Harlem. Where? Um, I'm on 129th and Riverside. Okay, yeah, that's far over. I have lived in a lot of. I, I once I lived um, um, basically. Do you know where Claremont is? Yeah, I live right there by the 125th Street, um, like one nine or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. Right near, right across the street from Grant's Tomb. Yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. I lived there for a, a, like a summer. Um, a million years ago, but when I first moved to New York, I lived in Harlem. I, uh, I yeah, I like it up there. I miss being able to go to other parts of the city. Yeah, yeah, it's it's different. You're down in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, 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 Crown Heights. And before that, I was in like East Williamsburg for a long time. East Williamsburg doesn't exist. <laughs> Why do people say that? It's a made up. It's a made up. No, it is not. Listen, Based listen, on listen. gentrifying landlords no, and realtors. That is, that is, East Williamsburg does not exist. That was just Bushwick. It was Bushwick. was the border of Bushwick false. slash Williamsburg. 
that East is absolutely not exist. Not only did I live, not only because you're not in Bushwick till you cross Bushwick Avenue. That's the thing. People didn't go look I'm at saying, the map. You're right there. You're right there on the border. You're the yes, borderman. Not only that, but the the clinic which served my neighborhood was on my block and was called the East Williamsburg Community Healthcare Network or whatever. And Gentrified clinic. Old. Gentrified clinic. It was old. What are you talking about? <laughs> Listen, man. The funny thing is, it, people moved before people even moved there. It was East Williamsburg. It's not it's the I, same as the other side. I never heard of it until 2005, man. I never heard well, of it. Well, nobody cared about Williamsburg. <laughs> nobody cared about Williamsburg at all until 2000. <laughs> honest, honest to God. This is true. I mean, there was nothing there. It was burnt out. In 2001, factories. I didn't know where the Williamsburg Bridge was in 2000. Sure, sure. People started moving. I basically went there for the first time because of white kids I knew who had moved there. Um, or or to Greenpoint, and so that's how you ended up yeah. going up to the bridge. It was empty, and it was like mostly Puerto Rican neighborhoods, yeah. projects, and lots of like fact, especially that side of Williamsburg, the gentrified fast, was yeah. just like, honestly, that area was like so empty that it was crazy for prostitution because that's where all of the truckers would go, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. was right on the docks, and it was nothing but empty warehouses. So if you walk through there, like Great the part I'm walking over there, there. Greenpoint, it would be like all types of street walkers down there it was yeah. crazy. And yeah. within a few years, all of a sudden it was gentrified. Whereas the area that, of Williamsburg that I lived in is like heavy, like Puerto Rican, Dominican neighborhood, Avenue of Puerto Rico, right near Woodhill Hospital. Um, and and the projects are right around there, and then these other like buildings that people look big, tall buildings, just a totally different area. Anyway, not going to get into the etymology of Williamsburg, but the lucidity. Also, while we're here, I had a quick question. I saw that you guys tweeted recently that you didn't like your lyrics to be printed. That's more me than Woods. Woods loves lyric books and things. Mm. But that was more me, and uh, I, I, I think my, I think my, my ideas are evolving because I don't like being misquoted. So I think the only way to correct that is to actually have the official lyrics being printed. You know. So the next time you know, okay. there's like a lyric book, which I think will be for this next record. Uh, yeah, the lyrics will be printed, so I'm not reprinted, uh, misquoted, and then you know people have to rely on genius, not so genius. <laughs> Hate to see uh, it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just a thing. It's just like I think I think you know, it's just how I was raised on rap, and you know, of course, that doesn't apply to younger listeners. But the way I was raised on it is, you know, rap is made to be listened to. It's not something to read. Mm. Um, and the cool part about rap and just music in general sometimes is people have their own interpretations of music, and you 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 build up a story in your head as you're like absorbing a work and it that's what it is like it's cool and then sometimes it's cool to like meet people and then y'all have totally different interpretations of the same exact thing i think that that's really cool but you know it doesn't really apply anymore when things are spelled out on sites like genius or whatever so yeah to not be misquoted 
I'll have the official lyrics. Yeah, yeah Woods is all about it. Woods is all about it. I think for Hiding Place, it had a really beautiful lyric book. Also, like, seeing, like, what it could even look like um, for people purchasing a record. Like, it's gorgeous. I would love to have my lyrics printed that way, you know? Could you talk a bit more about, like, I know you're in the middle of your seership answer, and I was just wondering your thoughts on that creative process, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, seership and then the record before that, um, every egg that cracked today was double yolk. I mean, these were just sort of like instrumental kind of exercises that I would make in between in between records, like on the road during tour, like late night in the studio or like in a hotel room or whatever. Um, just sort of like, I don't know, man, like words fail. And sometimes I just like the emotion of just instrumental music and those projects kind of gave me that outlet to uh, to say what I wanted to say without saying anything. Um, I love doing those songs, playing those interludes kind of live um, in between like the lyric-based songs. It's like just a, a really ill vibe and to feel those kind of heavy frequencies. It's like a very ambient kind of approach. Um, yeah, it just, it just works really nice with like our type of style, with my type of style. It's like super heavy lyrics, dense beats, and and then that stuff is more of stretched out kind of release sort of a feel. So yeah, man, I, I love those, right? There will definitely be more. Jumping from there, honestly, um, well, I think one of the aspects of this newest project, as far as like under the Arm & Hammer uh, label, is like the amount of new contributions on this project. Mm-hmm. Seeing like Kaya and like Akai solo as like features, and like mm-hmm. I checked like, Navy and like Navy Blue and Andrew Broder did like some production. So I was just curious, like what motivated that, like t- that move towards like greater collaboration, like as a, like as a duo. Hmm. I think it's just, uh, those are just the homies. They just kind of, we just kind of be around. Um, it just made sense. I've, I've, uh, was my, is it true? I, I kind of just, I connected most of those people to the record. Yeah, a bunch yeah, of those know, people are people you connected. It was kind of the vibe of the record. Yeah. At a certain point, we were like, oh, we're going to put more, you know, just like Paraffin was pretty much a solo dolo thing. We had Sketch 185 pop in, and it just felt like we are making the record, and there seemed like there were different places, different people. It would make sense, and so we just did it, you know? Like, yeah, well, I mean, really, when but a lot of them were like, again, like I said, there were some people like, and even those people were kind of random. Like Quelle was just at my house and I was playing some stuff and he was like, oh, I fuck with that. Um, but a lot of them were people that Elucid knew or had worked with. Yeah, just like kind of yeah. like just doing shows with all these folks. Yeah, the first time I heard Charms, once we had our verses laid, I was just like, yeah, we definitely need a hook. And mm-hmm. Kia was the first person that came to mind. She was the first person that came to mind. She's like, she's like incredibly gifted and yeah. she's got this really ill, like jazz inspired style that just worked. I knew it would work immediately with that kind of beat and that kind of swing and like the colors of that beat. Like I just knew like she would be like a perfect fit and she just was, you know? I'm Also, yeah. it's funny, I'm hearing that answer more and more, especially with like in hip hop, like people are just like, we just were vibing and it came out that way. Like, it's not really yeah. a calculated effort. It's just really organic. And I really like, I think yeah, I, hear mean, that. I feel like, mm-hmm. sorry, sorry, cut you off. Yeah, it's like one of those things where it's just like, like I've met all those people, most of those people, 90% of those people 
just seeing them live and becoming fans of them live before hearing recorded records because that's the real test like what are you doing in front of people to me and then when i saw kia live it was just like crazy then we sat down and went through different you know played each other some things and i mean on shit don't rhyme no more like the the vinyl Mm -hmm. um the first thing we ever did together like made it on that record so yeah just kind of just being in communication just knowing like people's capabilities and talents and like knowing where they could fit and knowing that they'd be available and willing it's just the illest, it's the illest. I don't really like to calculate too much, just going off the vibe and like knowing what people can do and having people that are willing just to be, you know, used that way. I know that some artists are like more reluctant to revisit some of their older recordings, but I see you guys are just very open to talk about your older music. And I was wondering, does your older music still influence the music you make today? Like, do you go back to that music a lot and borrow ideas from that? I am unlike some people and that I will listen to some of my older music depending on the situation. Um, but n- no, anything that I, is, any way that it's influencing me already happened on the page, you know, or in the, in, in the booth and ways that I approach things, not something, I can't remember ever, if, if I went back and listened to something and I caught something in it more often, it would be that, oh, I do something that I don't do anymore or I don't even know what made me do that. Sometimes in a good way. But sometimes I hear something where I'm like, I would never do that now. Um, But yeah, I I would say anything that I learned from working on, from my older music, I learned while I was doing it and absorbed it then. But I'm looking back for different it's more like looking into your own mind from a different point in time you heard the gist of what i was saying which was that anything that i learned from my old music is was learned in the process of making it when i go back and listen sometimes it's enlightening but more in terms of times i've forgotten about in my life or approaches to music that i don't have anymore gotcha is there anything you guys are working on that we should be looking forward to or like if not really soon like what has it been like recording and making music and getting inspiration during this weird time you got a whole album coming out man yes it was like thinking about like inspiration during this time like as this whole thing jumped off i wasn't really sure like uh what i had to say how i'm gonna say it but yeah i've i've pretty much been staying really productive. I do have another record coming out. It's a solo record with uh, this producer from Detroit. Um, we're calling ourselves Small Bills. And I mentioned a new Arm & Hammer record. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There is <laughs> a new we're working on a new Arm & Hammer record. I'll, I'll say that. Wow, sure. already. Wow. Yeah. They kind of seems like they happen in, in pairs. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's true, though. Yeah, I think about Roman paraffin. And and race music and furtive movement in a way. In a way, for sure. Yeah, they they even shared two songs. Yeah, they definitely did come in pairs. Yeah, and and now these two. Mm -hmm. Well, we're looking forward to it. Tight. And thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk to us. Appreciate it. Good question. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Q. 
We hope you enjoyed getting to know Arm & Hammer and check out their newest album, Shrines. You can find this episode on quarantinecontent.com or on our weekly newsletter, The Cube. See you next week.